Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. (laughs) But we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Rise Together podcast. This is Dave Hollis. Oh, and I'm Rachel Hollis. Yes, we are married, (laughs) and you are listening to the first time, nope, the second Second time, time. that we have brought another human being into the mix so that we can have a conversation that uh, equips you with some tools, but also introduces you to a voice that is not just the two of us. Uh, I had the opportunity about a month ago to hang out with an extraordinary group of guys. We've uh, always talked about how important it is to put yourself in rooms that have people who are stronger than you helping pull you to the next level that you want to go to. And among them uh, was this guy who's joining us today named Anthony Trucks. He, uh, former NFL player, he, serial entrepreneur, he, a person who was married also and uh, is a person who's just fit as heck. Um, he's going to talk <laughs> to us during a week where we are in our last 90 days conversation having a conversation about health, about fueling your body instead of doing things that might take away from uh, how you show up as your best self. And we thought, why not grab somebody who actually has had a life, an adult life for sure, focused on how to really fuel your body to show up as um, a professional athlete in his post-NFL career to show up as a gym owner where he and his wife um, do that on the reg. So uh, without further ado, please welcome Anthony Trucks. Hey, man, I, I didn't know it was the second one ever. Like all of a sudden I get this pressure yeah. in my heart that doesn't belong yeah, there, but I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. So before we jump in on a conversation about all things health, why don't you give us listeners, give the listeners uh, a little bit of background on who you are 
and yeah. what you do and why you do what you do because you got a great story. No, I appreciate it, man. I uh, I love life, man. I love people. I think that's the root of my core. But uh, it started like a for me at three years old. I was given away in a foster care, uh, bounced around in the system in California for about three years. But I went through a lot of stuff. Like at that time, you know, pretty much I'm what's called a paycheck. As long as this kid doesn't die, pretty much I'm you know okay. And and there's no social media. There's no you know video. So I would get beaten. I would get starved. A lot of craziness. So by six years old, I finally got moved to my family, which is my family now. Uh, it's an all-white family. I'm a black man. I'm an all-white family, so I kind of have that weird uh, back and forth. We have a lot of weird, awkward racial jokes in my family that I really can't say publicly. <laughs> but it's been, it's been a unique way for me to view the world. Um, but I had a lot of craziness. I wasn't actually able to play sports until I was 14, like organized sports. And it was because of stuff with my real mom and this foster care system. And so at 14, I finally got a chance to play sports, and that shifted my entire world. Statistically, if you look at any former foster kid in America, like all prisons, if you look at any in America, 75% of them are former foster kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say like 51% of the homeless population is former foster kids and like 1% ever graduate college. So statistically, wow. should be not doing anything like I'm doing. Um, but what I do now is I try to give back to the world in a way that was never given to me because I have, I guess, these weird gifts that, uh, and just a compassion for humanity um, that I look at the things that I've experienced in life. And don't get me wrong, like they keep on happening because that is life. Um, but I look at it kind of like, like I'm God's pin cushion. Like at the end of the day, we all get prodded with different stuff. You get, you know, things happen, you know, marriages fall apart or you get hurt or people hurt you. And you can take these things and go back to the world and cause pain with them. Or you can say, look, I'm going to take this needle. I'm going to weave an amazing tapestry of life for people to see. And so I chose to do the latter. Uh, and now I just give back in ways of teaching people how to take care of their bodies, how to take care of their just their mentality, and honestly, how to live a really cool life, um, no matter where you started from. How is the what's like? What's the statistics on starting organized sports at 14 and ending up in the NFL? Like that doesn't seem oh, like man. it happens very often. No, I don't think it happens at all. When I tell people that, people think I'm I'm lying or joking. And I kid you not. Here's the crazy part: I started at 14. I sucked at 14. Still, mm-hmm. like I was still bad. It was. It was a, a turning point for me when I was 15 after my second year of being horrible at the sport. Uh, my adoptive mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I'd finally got adopted at 14. My older brother was off into the military. So I'm just kind of this lowly kid. And I literally like was checked out. I was failing out of classes. I was just giving up. Um, and I had this moment where I think few people get this opportunity, but I had an excuse in my head that I was living with. And I, nobody knew it, but I was just, I would check out. I'd sleep in class. I'd just be in the back corner failing. And I heard this girl next to me in a class one time say, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And as simple as it was, it was like a moment where I got to hear my excuse out loud and how stupid it sounded. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And when you hear that, it's like, oh, do I want to be 30 years old and say, well, the reason I'm poor, uh, the reason I'm a homeless kid, the reason I'm a criminal or a bad dad or, you know, whatever it is, is because of this thing that happened to me that I had no control over. And it shifted my, my perspective of I just wanted to be great. And I didn't know what it was. At, at you know, 15 years old, it's like get girls' phone numbers and, <laughs> and play sports. Um, but that was the goal. It was like I'm going to be great. And what I kind of adhered to in my head was I've got to put the work in before I know it'll be successful. And that was kind of the, the anchoring point to the rest of my life. And how did you approach sports at that point? Were you sort of all in, super hardcore? You know, we hear the stories about mm-hmm. – 
Kobe was practicing 30 minutes a week and then he was yeah. not great. And then he told himself like, well, what would it look like if I practiced for an hour every day? And that would increase my time. Like what, what did it look like for you when you really started to apply yourself to physically becoming someone different? Yeah. So that took place um, at 15 years old. It was, it was that moment of, I knew I wanted to be great. And, uh, and so for sports, it's just an investment of time and that's everything in life. You know, it's the cool thing about sports is, is if you don't play it, it's okay. Cause there's intangibles you can grasp from the mentality of it. And for me, what I realized was, well, if I need to get faster, I probably should run. If I need to get stronger, I should probably lift weights. I had no clue at all what I was doing. Like, to be honest, I'm surprised I didn't pull a bunch of muscles, but I would go and just lift everything I could lift probably the wrong way. <laughs> uh, I would run raids. I, I would do, I'd actually take buddies with me to the park and run football routes. I would catch a football every day 500 times. And what ends up happening, and I don't think many people do, is you have to fall in love with the process, not just the end result. And so I started falling in love with the daily just pride I would have for accomplishing just getting the workout in or just catching 500 balls. And when you fall in love with that process, the rest kind of naturally takes care of That's itself. so good. I love it. And it's so applicable in every part of life, every part of relationship. Well, I love the I love what you said, too, and I'd love to unpack it a little bit. You said, um, you know, even if you're not very good at the sport, the things that you learn, the intangibles that you learn as mm. you are on that journey are so valuable. I feel like that applies to literally anything, going to the gym, learning to run, anything you do mm-hmm. physically, even if you suck. Like right now, I'm, I'm trying to get better at push-ups. I suck so Mm-hmm. I suck so bad at push-ups, but just keep videotaping the, them and putting them in there in your stories. Though, I'm getting I want to watch the progress. Hollis, no, I, it's rude. no, it's great. Shut up! You're not doing push-ups. Don't you judge me? Oh, I'll start taping the oh. push-ups that I'm doing. <laughs> Why is Trucks having to listen to this argument? Because you started it. That's true. No, it's great. Uh, no, uh, it's a the, the um, but I I love the idea because we do have people listening who probably more often than not this isn't a space that they feel super comfortable in, just like being. Mm-hmm. in beast mode and working out really hard. But what are the things that you feel like, uh, what are those intangibles? What are you learning, even if you don't feel super powerful as you're you're figuring out your fitness? Yeah, well, I think there's two pieces. There's one is the aspect of, like you've heard of Carol Dweck's mindset, oh, right? Oh, yes. Oh, we're love it. Everybody, we love hopefully it. everybody has by now. If you guys haven't, go read the book. Um, conceptually, it's, it's that thing where you have to just accept the fact that you're not going to be great up front. And that's okay. Like it's, it, I'm not going to be phenomenal right now, but the problem is I'll never be phenomenal if I don't put time into this thing and, and actually embrace the fact that you suck right now <laughs> and then put time in to get better, right? There's a beauty within that process. But I think if you don't do that, you never give yourself permission to figure it out. Yeah. And I think when you give yourself the permission, like, okay, it's okay for me to be bad. Let me just over time get better. Then it's, it's, it's okay. But also what people do is there's always that comparison thing. And I think that we are always comparing ourselves, obviously, nowadays, you know, the Instagram models who look amazing. And like, I don't want to put my picture up there with this guy who's got 17 abs and I have two. (laughs) I don't want to do that. But the reality of it is if I can step back and as opposed to setting my scale to the world scale and I choose my own scale of what's great, now I give myself a permission and a piece to actually over time adjust and adapt. So it's going forward and saying, you know what? I know in your world, in your mind, what the world says is if I have, you know, 2% body fat, that's great for you. But right now I'm starting at, you know, 20. So if I get down to 18, like that's great for me. And even if you say it's not great, I can go to bed at night knowing I'm doing a damn good job. Absolutely. I think that mentality helps people when they just take the steps forward. And then also getting help. Like if you can drop the ego enough, the most part permission, drop the ego to go and seek out help in a strategy. 
then it fast paces the process. And when you get those small wins, it helps you just feel better. And like, and you want to keep getting stuff that makes you feel mm-hmm. better. It's the whole problem. I don't want to keep doing things I hate, but if I feel good because I did good, I'm going to keep on going that route. And that's kind of how it goes. Like for you and pushups, one of the few things people look at is like, how do you actually improve in pushups? But I can't do a pushup. Mm. Like, how, yeah. like how do you? So like adaptations wise, you can do a lot. Like one is use dumbbells, lay on your back and build the strength of mm. there. That'll transfer over later or do slowly lowering down called eccentric so do like a push-up position lower yourself down to the ground as slow as possible and it will help build the muscle like just innervation or activation in those ranges so later on you can press out it was actually the number one things i asked yesterday on instagram and it was the number one comment that people said was slowly lower yourself to the ground instead of focusing so much on pushing up exactly but most people won't ask we were watching rachel at we both of my eyes were watching Rachel <laughs> uh, on stage on Saturday talking to a group of people who work in a sales organization, giving them the mm-hmm. raw, raw. And uh, the like thing that like most of them identify as the barrier for pursuing the next level is fear. And it's the fear mm-hmm. of what? And it was like, you know, inevitably the fear of not being good or sucking mm-hmm. at the beginning of the process of trying something new. And the like yeah. thing that she says all the time, and I love it, is you're going to suck. Yeah. And the freedom yeah. that comes in accepting that, the expectation is just, you know, you're going to suck. It's okay, but at least mm-hmm. you're going to go out and do it. And as you do it, you're going to get better and better and better and build confidence. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes something you can do. So I love that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Getting help, too, is is a big thing. I was never a gym person. I got into being a gym person and found someone. Andy, hello, uh, a, a person who could help me understand the kind of science behind showing up at a gym. And it just yeah. totally changed the way that I look forward to it and got excited about it and got in a rhythm of actually doing it in a way that like made my body look differently. It made me stronger, yeah. have more energy, all those things. So It's a small So one. you own a gym, is that right? Yeah. So so mm-hmm, talk to us about for for people who are listening because we are this week focusing in on health. What do you feel mm-hmm. like are some of the biggest um like the limiting beliefs that are keeping people from showing up to a workout, keeping people from coming back? Like as you're watching your clients there at the gym, are there some mm-hmm. universal themes that happen when when people approach health and fitness for the first time or the 10th time that really knock them yeah. off course? <laughs> yeah, it's thinking that they're 20 years younger than they actually Ooh, are. Ooh, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's one of the biggest, because everybody comes in, it's like, I mean, this happens every year in December and January, sure. and it's funny that the world has no idea about this yet, but gyms actually bank on you coming in, getting a membership, and never showing up again. Wow. <laughs> it's, yep. it's, they, they put it into the process, and so this is what happens. People show up January 1st, or anytime when they choose to start working out, and I, you know, I'm going to go seven days a week. I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. And what you do is you go in and you try to do what you used to do when you were completely in like way better shape. Mm-hmm. Logically, you'd think like, I can't do this because I haven't worked out for a year, but I'm going to try anyways. <laughs> and people do when they fail. And then what happens is you actually have like a, a chemical effect that connects to that negative feeling 
So you avoid that. Yeah. And now I don't go to the gym. Now I get worse out of shape. And now I show up next year, same thing, but I'm farther behind the ball. But my mindset hasn't changed. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so some of the things I tell people is as hard as you train, you have to rest just as hard. So if I go Ooh, three days a week Preach that right to now, me, Trucks. Preach that to me. Yeah. Say it again. Take Wait, time say that off. again. It's okay. As hard as you now, train. don't take time off and eat Twinkies, Yes, though, yes, yes. But, <laughs> but yeah, just train hard and it's okay to take a rest day. Like, let your body recover. One of the big things, um, let's say scientifically for the body, there's most people, let's say they want to lose fat, right? That's just kind of the biggest goal for people. There's like this trifecta of how it happens in the body. So you have what's called an energy system. There's usually like three. There's you for the aerobic and anaerobic, correct? Are you asking me? Oh. Yeah. Oh, either oh. of you. Yeah, aerobic and anaerobic. Sure. I We're not okay. that cool, so, trucks. We don't know. It's we don't okay. know. We're not fancy. Aerobic is like uh, like doing cardio. Yes. We'll call it cardio, yeah. right? So cardio training, when you do that kind of training, is the moment you get off a treadmill or a long run, you stop burning calories. Your body pretty much, you know, it's done. Like you did your work, you're off because you're not going to be sore that much in between. You might be a little bit, but after a while, not so much. Whereas anaerobic, which is lifting weights and kind of moving heavy things, you actually burn more calories in half the time if done correctly with the weights and safely. Then in between workouts, you can burn calories up to 42 hours past because your body's recovering the muscle mass. Mm. And then when you have more muscle mass because you've healed and recovered well, you actually burn more calories at rest. So a lot wow. of people don't realize like if you just get in and do like your workouts and you, you train, you have to take the rest day in between to recover but you're still burning some calories. And then because you recovered and you rested well, you can do more work, which means more calories burned, more muscle mass developed in between. And just it's a, a continuous trifecta that builds up. And one of the things we have to do for a lot of people is like I have to express the first month of training, you're not going to see a bunch of results. Your body's just getting to a, a place where it's primed to burn fat and build muscle. That's it. So you're not going to see a bunch of weight loss. But after that, it speeds up pretty quickly. I really want to get into like your top three best tips anyone's listening to this they're like i do not know how i'm mm -hmm. going to make it through the last 90 days what are the top three yeah. things that you'd say but first we're going to take a quick mm -hmm. break and we are going to come back and hear anthony trucks give us his best of the best advice hey y'all we're going to grab a quick cup of coffee while we're gone please check out some of the awesome new products we have coming out this season from the hollis company The advanced reader copies of Girl Stop Apologizing are officially out in the world, which means for the first time ever, people besides my editor are reading my new book, and I can't wait for you to read it too. I wrote Girl Stop Apologizing because I wanted to give women permission to do just that. Stop apologizing for who you are. Stop apologizing for the dreams and goals and hopes you have for your life. The tagline for this book is a shame-free guide for embracing and achieving your goals. So if you have big, audacious dreams for your career or great, fantastic personal goals for yourself, this is the book for you. It comes out March 12th, and you can pre-order now on Amazon.com. So while we were on break... I found out something about Anthony that I did not understand that we should have actually led the show it's with. It's a very big deal. You are – what do you do? You are a war – you're a ninja? You need to explain I'm, this. Uh, well, I'm an American ninja warrior. I'm, I'm the biggest uh, American ninja warrior on TV now. And at the moment, I'm the only NFL player to have ever hit a buzzer on the TV that show. That is bananas. I, I – 
I you cool. I now I need to go look up this information. I can't believe I follow you on Instagram. I can't even believe I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what? It's not a, it's it's not a bad thing, but a lot of the ninjas like they're ninjas. It's what they yes. do. Whereas for me, it's like one of those odd other things I do in life, and it just that's not a prominent piece. It's amazing, but I just I don't have time to go hang on stuff all day. It time. also <laughs> like sets a frame for how fit trucks is. For real, he can do that crazy thing where you move the bar across that's exactly the bar. What I'm oh, where you go like yeah. up yeah. and yes. up. Yeah, that's oh, exactly what I'm letter. thinking what of. Talking um, about. Okay, sorry, we we got sidetracked as per usual, but for. Listeners who are going through this season, a season where you could really easily be distracted by holidays and cookies and cocktails and all the things, what are your three best pieces of advice for staying on track, keeping those promises to yourself and ending the year feeling healthy and strong? Yeah, um, the biggest one is is have a plan for what you're going to do workout wise. I think a lot of people that get puppy dog syndrome at the gym, they wander in. It's like, what should I do today? Mm. An hour goes by and you like you sat by the water fountain and watch everybody else work out. <laughs> so, so one of the big things is go with a simple, even if it's like, hey, I'm going to do, you know, three sets of 10 pushups and three of, of squats. What happens is you get in and the time in your mind, which most people is like the thought of a workout's like a three hour ordeal, but really it's like 30 minutes. But if you have a plan, you can get in and be more efficient and get all the work done and get out of there. That's one piece. Have a plan. The second one I'm real big on is tracking stuff besides the scale. Like track your actual, like can you run faster? Can you do more push-ups? Can you do more sit-ups? Can you hold a plank longer? Track something besides the weight that allows you to have those small wins that give you that, that push to like, I want to get better and keep on going to the gym. And the third one, which is the, for me the most important, is an accountability partner. There's actual studies that show that 80% of people who have an accountability partner when starting a fitness program actually reach their goal. When it's just you and it's you know five in the morning and you're, you, you had a long night the night before and your shoes are there, <laughs> you're going to go by yourself. Like It's really easy to hit snooze and make a good excuse and lay back down. But if there's someone meeting you, you know, at your house or you're going to meet at their house and get that workout in, you're more apt to get up. And the problem is, is if you miss that first workout, it's a slippery slope to miss the next yeah. one. When you make that one, you have this investment bias. Like, you know what? I make, I made all the workouts. I'm not going to let myself down just because, you know, I, I don't feel like it today. I've done 20 in the past. I'm not going to mess this one up. And you keep the ball rolling. So for our listeners who are in relationships, what would your advice be for making your real life partner your accountability partner? Oh, man, that's that's always the hardest one. I mean, so I own a gym and primarily women are the ones that come in. They want, you know, guidance and training. You have your men, but this is honest, mostly women. And the problem is, is the partner aspect is always difficult. And, and what happens is no one's going to do something if it's forced upon them. Like they're just not going to happen. I mean, I could tell you a personal perfect story for this. So um, my wife and I, you know, we were together in high school, high school sweethearts in the yearbook is the cutest couple. I was like homecoming king, like legitimately a weird, like almost Disney movie <laughs> aspect. But that was my life. Um, and then what happened was, you know, we went through high school together, college together. And then we got out of the NFL. And then I was, you know, back home. And, and we both kind of like I owned a gym, but I was in the worst shape of my life. Mm. Like I really wasn't taking care of my body. You know, things weren't moving well with her. She kind of was doing her own thing. And we kind of started growing apart. And what ended up happening was around about, let's say, you know, we get divorced, actually divorced. And then two and a half years later, we're now back together. And there's some some unique things I think that fitness has had a huge part. in. so fast forward a little bit. We're now training for a, a half Ironman. Which oh, my is, uh, goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and there's a thought process behind it. And this is my thought process. And, you know, th there's one part of getting someone to work out with you. It's planting seeds and, and almost kind of like making an enjoyable thing that they want to take part in. 
Like I got to work out and I feel good. I come home happy. They're going to want that happy, right? They just, I want to have whatever she has. Like I, I want whatever he has. And so there's a desire to pull. The problem is most people are not going to do it, even if it's good for them, if forced to do it. So when you come home nagging your husband because he has a little pot belly, like that's not going to help him get into the gym. It's going to make him feel bad about himself. But if you guys can together find a, a thing you guys want to do together, here's how I've seen it's been great for our, our marriage now at this point is I had one of two options when she said she wanted to do a half Ironman. Like I'm in shape, but I'm like in, you know, hang on stuff and sprint yeah. shape, but running for like a yeah. marathon, biking, hell no. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do not want to do that. But then I had this thought, I said, well, one of two things going to happen. Either she's going to spend up to three or four hours away from the house um, with a new group of friends with, you know, different stuff she gets engaged in. And I'm going to sit at home with the kids, you know, you know, working on my computer and she's going to come home. And at that time, she'll be tired. You know, why isn't dinner done? Why isn't the house clean? Like all these things that could probably creep in because she's spending time out of the house. Or what if I go do this with her? What if I go and spend time and we both engage in something we both like to do? Um, we push and pull each other. And not only does it, you know, avoid that other problem, but it creates a thicker, deeper bond for us. And so I'm not doing an, a half Ironman because I want to be a half Ironman. I'm doing it because I want to have an amazing mm -hmm. marriage. Different drive, but that's the end result for I me. Love and I that. think that's so good. That question, do it that's for me the big anchor yeah so we we used to do we haven't done it we didn't do one this year but we for probably a decade ran a half marathon together at least once a year and we ran it nice. side by side uh no matter yeah. who was stronger that year who had more stamina or could run faster we did 13 miles together and it was always this mm -hmm. really beautiful metaphor for our relationship and like we're gonna start this race together we're gonna finish it together and we're gonna do these hard physical things as a reminder mm -hmm. of you know you can mind over matter anything that you're going through so i love that we trained for the los angeles marathon together <laughs> and then i stopped <laughs> <laughs> because my body was not built for oh, running Carol 26 <laughs> miles. I know I needed yeah. I needed I needed that mindset book then. So I stopped yeah. and then met Rachel at the finish line when she finished the marathon. And honestly, I kicked myself for not having actually pushed through the 20 mile training week that I was like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. I tap you out were right so here. So close to the end. So too. close. And my knees were like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah. You should have really a scooter. <laughs> um so, Trucks, I know a, a lot of what, when you're on stages, you're having a conversation about, you're, you're kind of known for a whole host of things, hustle among them, but also really, I think, this idea of identity and the way that you have experienced so many different things that during your life had your frame of reference or the lens that you were looking out of change and I'm wondering if you're a person who's listening that, you know, doesn't identify themselves as someone who is a workout person. It's just they're just not wired that way. Can you, yeah. you know, tell, tell us a little bit about how identity shifts in your life have shown up, but also and like kind of what you've taken away from them, but also mm -hmm. what advice you give to someone who doesn't think that fitness is, is the, you know, thing that they can do or their jam. Yeah. I mean, that, and it's applied to everything. I think in the aspect of identity, there's a physical, there's a professional, there's a personal piece, right? Um, I think for me, if I go back to like, you know, my shifts of life, it was, you know, I was given away at three, um, you know, the aspect of being adopted by an all white family, then, you know, I'm, I'm playing sports. Um, and it's something that's completely unique to me. Uh, at the same time, like I'm a foster kid, then I'm an adopted kid. Like there's a weird part of that. I'm a college athlete. I'm a professional athlete. I'm a father at 20 years old. 
Um, after that, I come home. I'm a gym owner now. I'm a consultant. I'm a speaker. You know, I'm, I'm now out of this sport. The transition from football to real world is really difficult. So that identity shift breaks a lot of people, even military or even parenting. Like if, you, if you're a mom and all you've had is your kids at home and all of a sudden they're all in school. Now, what do you do all day when they're in first grade? Absolutely. Right. So these yeah. these shifts are big for a lot of people. And and so for me, I, I almost accidentally navigated them because as a kid, it was just a survival thing. I had to figure out how to set in my, my ways and pretty much protect myself, right? So it, it transitioned to a lot of places. At this point in my life, I kind of do it like it's almost like a walk in the park only because I have, I have ways of, of thinking through processes and steps. And the first part for people was like realizing like there's four areas you can be when it comes to your identity. And you can apply this to fitness for sure, but you can also apply it to your professional life and your personal life. So the, think about a, like say a quadrant, right? And you have on the top left corner going down, it's the aspect of have you chosen who you are yet? And then the top, if you go from the top left corner to the right, it's going to be how actively are you searching to find something new or, or just pretty much trying to see what else is out there. Now, people who are not searching and haven't locked in, they're lost. Like they're wandering around, hoping something's going to happen. And like you guys know, hope isn't yeah. a strategy. Oh, plug right there. <laughs> ding, ding. Um, then there's people who like they didn't search, but like the family does this. And, you know, we're just we're a family of people who don't work out or we're people who don't go to church or we're people who, you know, we don't work. We just we find ways and loopholes and make the system work for us. Well, what happens is people now they anchor themselves into an identity really early. And these people get pretty much just, you know, closed like they're closed off. This is who I am. It's who I'm going to be. Although in the back of their head, they're like, ah, it doesn't feel right. There's something more, but I'm just too scared. They're almost too invested in something to change. Like if the family's all doctors, I got to be a doctor, right? And they lock in early, but there's that, that missing piece. Then there's people who haven't locked in and they're still searching. And those people are open. Like I'm open to something new. Like I'm, I'm going to go and try new stuff and seek out my passions and, and try to figure out what I like to do. And then later on, I'll lock in. And when they do, that person becomes found. I've taken the time to research and just try life. I've locked into who I am and I love who I am. The problem with being found though is we get to points in our life where we've done so well. Dave, perfect example is you. You found yourself. I'm, I'm a CEO at Disney. Like I'm doing this thing, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, there's something missing. And you drop back to the open stage to seek something new out. And now you're coming close to that found stage, right? So there's actual areas in our life where we can go back and forth. And so what happens is that the shifting around, the problem people have is they never open themselves up to figuring out why are they where they're at and why don't they have what they want? Mm. And as logical and simple as I can explain it is, if you were the person that has that thing, you would already have that thing. Like if you're the person that has that work ethic, that has that perspective, that has that confidence, you already have that. So when you tell yourself, look, hey, I'm not the person that works out. You know, I just I like to, I like my hamburgers and my wine too much. <laughs> right. You will actually live your life in a way that makes that right. Yeah. So you'll do those things. And you'll be like, see, told you it's who I am. You know, and so when people say I'm not the kind of person that works out, you're already putting an inset excuse to where later on when you miss a workout or you don't, you know, lose the weight or get the strength you wanted. I, you know, I already knew that's who I was. So the, the simplest way an actionable process can take place is I tell people every moment of your life is going to need a specific character to show up. If it's the person that showed up to that meeting one time and needs to get that job or needs to, you know, close that deal, that moment needs a specific character of Anthony. And if I can show up as that character, I'll succeed. But the problem is, is if you don't feel comfortable doing those things or seeing yourself in that space, you don't become the character. And then now you show up and you mess mm -hmm. it up. So 
I kind of explain like you have to go into the realm of, of letting yourself be the character that that person needs and literally craft it out. What does that person think? Like, how does that person operate? What do they say? How do they walk? Like almost create a separate character of, of how that person will identify in that moment to show up and kill that moment. And then what you have to do is have to play that role of yourself in the moment. And this I ache into to like sports. So imagine like I'm a football guy, you know, out in the field. In football, like you're on the field and you have a split second to make a decision. And anything that clouds your mind, you make a mistake, you get tackled, you miss a tackle, it's, it's bad, right? So if I had a coach on the field with me while I'm playing, it would be the worst thing ever, right? We take time in practice and beforehand, and the coach stands on a sideline, sends me into the game. I do what I do. If I make a mistake when I get off the field, then my coach can coach me. And so in life, what we're doing is if you get to the point of crafting that character and you know what you have to do in that moment, don't bring the coach on the field with you. Give yourself permission to show up in that moment and just do whatever that thing needs to do and be. Then later on in your private moments, like beat yourself up. Kind of like <laughs> well, it. I love the idea of and I'm, I'm trying to remember where I've heard sort of this philosophy before of kind of the different characters that you create in your life to show up. Like I obviously. It's a little bit of that Tony podcast that we were talking about last week where it was like the guy became T-Rex. Like the, the oh, business. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. like right. Like he had a persona <laughs> that he, he named. Yeah. Like you're a different person yeah. when you're rolling around on the floor with your kids than you are before you yeah. go on stage. Like I, exactly. I mean, I'm sure most of us who do who speak for a living you know i've got my headphones in i'm playing very specific music i am becoming the person that needs to go on stage and like kill that but that's very different yeah. than the woman that i am when i'm hanging out at home in sweats with my kids uh, yeah. so i love the idea that if you are listening to this right now and you feel like you do not feel confident as you head into let's say the gym you don't feel confident to go in and work out maybe you need Need to create in your mind a different persona like who's showing up to this workout what's the music that mm -hmm. you need to blast who's the person that you need to be what kind of state of mind do you need to get yourself in you need to do a wonder woman power pose make yourself feel strong and then go get your workout like you may need to get yourself in state before that you can go in and do the stuff that you need to do i love that tip at Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Yeah. And it's going to, just so everybody knows, it's going to feel incredibly yeah. awkward. Like it's super uncomfortable. Like the funny thing, I saw a video recently um, by Kobe Bryant called Muse. He talks about how the black mamba had to come out in the middle of all of his, you know, legal battles and yeah. stuff. And that was, I was like, man, it's what an amazing way to put it in perspective the world can see. But you are going to literally have to be in a level of discomfort. But 
the truth is, if, if everything you wanted was going to happen without discomfort, you'd already have it. Yeah. So you got to go through that. Just, again, give yourself permission to look stupid, yeah. to feel odd. And even back to the earlier part of the conversation, I like I love the idea of like coming to appreciate the process as much as the end result. Mm-hmm. Like that that discomfort is the result. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that's like that's part of it. So. I'd love to hear how for like, let's just I'm going to I'm going to ask this question. So I'm a woman and most of our audience are women. They absolutely will, you know, send this to their partner, send this to their husband and say, like, hey, listen to this. Mm-hmm. But most of our audience are women. So I'd love the perspective. Yeah. I'm going to ask Anthony and I'm gonna ask Dave, even though he's literally scrolling Anthony's Instagram feed. Instead I just love the name of Anthony's company. And I didn't realize that you changed it to this. Modif Identity yeah. is such a cool name. And the tagline is taking shift seriously. I just, oh, ah, good. so good. I'm sorry, Rachel Hollis, please. Here is my question yeah, for you. Ask your men question. Men, fathers, husbands, how do you feel yeah. like your your both of you, your journey to personal health and fitness has made mm. you a better partner and a better dad? It's mm, a good one. You want a day? Well, I will start with uh, two, I'll, I'll say two things. One, I'm modeling every single day how I hope my kids approach life. So my mm. commitment to showing up to the gym, you know, I'm right now going seven days a week because of it being last 90 days. But for the most part, I'm trying to hit it five days a week is hopefully going to be something that they don't even think twice about as they continue to grow into young adult humans and they just embrace fitness as a you know thing that helps them be the best version of themselves. Two, we make out on the reg. <laughs> and we actually make out more often when I have uh, like a, a body that you know, makes me think that you're actually interested in making yeah. out with me. And, and Well, and the energy. I think this goes both ways for yeah. men and women, that you have the energy to even be interested in your partner after, like, a full I day agree. of work and taking care of kids and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Anthony Trucks. Yeah. What would you say? Oh, man, it's – so I, I like – so the big thing for me at the end of the day – and, I, and I, I live in a blue-collar town, which just dudes, dudes. Like, it's just what it is, right? And I think – that there's always this internal desire to have like an amazing life, like a, a great marriage. But there's also this world of alpha that's like, I got to be the guy. You know, I'm not going to show emotion. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to talk. Like, you know, that, that's just weak, right? And and I, I I struggle because I realize that is the entire reason why there's such a huge difference between you know the, the statistics of suicide rates of men and women because men don't express themselves. Mm. And I think it's because at the end of the day, a lot of men. They don't feel comfortable in their own skin, but they're not able to even say it or show that they need to. And the only way they do it is by going to the gym and doing bicep curls. Wow. Like that's, really, it's not a good, that's not how you start. It's, you're just going to be chugged with a belly and, you know, dad yeah. bod. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's what it is. So what I've found is some of the things that I look at is one, the things that drive men are going to be children. Like I want my kids to be awesome. And two, I don't want to, like you could say I want a great marriage, but let's start with not an argumentative marriage. Mm. Let's just start there. Like. As opposed to great, how can we just start with like, we're not arguing every day. Let's just try to do something different. And a lot of what it boils down to is for me, if I don't, as other person, other person, if I don't like the actions of another person, I lose respect for them. And if I lose respect for that person, I don't like that person. I don't love that person. I won't do anything for that person. So what happens, I think a lot of guys, like they start to get out of shape and they stop respecting themselves. They stop loving themselves. And now what happens is I'm in a bad mood. I don't like this guy. I'm not going to do good for this guy. And I, as a man, cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So good. if I don't have this love in me for me, I can't give it to my wife. I can't give it to my kids. 
I pretty much am just going to just go by and be this, you know, lump on a couch. And then women have their midlife crisis or, you know, they, they go and start doing this stuff later on, which you see a lot of women like around the age of 45 to 50. Like my husband wants to sit in the couch all day long. And then next thing you know, the guy's pissed because his wife's gone all day. Well, dude, get off yeah. the couch. <laughs> like it's pretty simple. And what happens is first off, like you said, Dave, kids do not listen to what we say. They listen to what we yeah. do. Like we had a moment yesterday, my wife and I had to get 45 minutes of running in and we, we got the kids out of the house. We went and ran for about 20 of it. Then the other 20 was the kids with the dogs at the school nearby, all of us running around, having fun inside. So our kids, they, it's normal to be active. And what's cool is just sheer, if I want my kids to be great, they got to see that that's a big part of life. And in doing so, it helps their brain chemistry, their happiness, their self-worth and how they operate. Like, so I'm able to gift my kids something, but you can't gift them what you don't have for yourself. Ooh. That'll carry. Wow, that's good. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's the mic drop. That might be the end. <laughs> it can't even get better than that. What, what's a, what's a curious question? What's something you guys are excited about or like in the middle of that, that has anything to do with health? I'm literally, Anthony, the book I'm writing is health, uh, which is so interesting that we find ourselves here. Yeah. We had this experience at, um, at our conference this year where we do this activity. We ask everyone, everyone gets a sheet of paper, and there are 30 questions mm-hmm. on the sheet of paper. They're sentences, and we ask you to check the box if the sentence applies to you. So these are really mm-hmm. hard things. It's, it's things like yeah. I have been sexually assaulted. I have been addicted to drugs. I have abused alcohol. I've lost a child. And a few days before the conference, sort of in my head at the time, I I thought, oh, last minute, but now I really feel like was divine providence. I thought, man, I should have something on this sheet about body image. So last minute, I add the last line, which says, I hate the way I look. And Mm. not dislike, hate. And so we take them through this activity. You don't put your name on the paper. You fold up the piece of paper and you hand it to your partner and they hand it to someone and they hand it. You hand and hand and hand until nobody knows where their paper is in the room. And then I stand on stage and I read off one after the other these sentences. And, you know, some of them are shocking. You know, half the room stands up or a quarter of the room stands up. And we get to the end of this this paper and that question, I hate the way I look and I swear to you, that 800 women stood to their feet, everyone in the room. And it was so startling because nobody thought that everybody would check that box. And I was so shocked that still today, 2018, we are still carrying around this much shame and guilt about not looking the right way or not being the right way. And that was the impetus for the next book was we've got to talk about our health. We've got to talk about yeah. the way we feel mentally and physically. You know, you, you talked about a lot of the people who come into your gym are women. Is that mm-hmm. something that you're sort of coaching them on besides the body? Is the way oh, yeah. that you view yourself mentally? Because you can work out forever and still think that there's something to feel ashamed of in yourself. What, what advice would you give to that? Yeah. I mean, this is literally right up my alley. This is, I learned this years ago in the gym. Um, and I have a great heart for this because I grew up in a family like my family was obese, like they're you know out of shape. And I, my mom passed away from MS and it's tied to obesity. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because like this has literally been part of my life. My sisters at this day still struggle with the weight. And so I've had a firsthand view of what this does to your mind, to your life, to your psyche. Um, and then in my gym, I've always had a heart to help people and primarily it's women. And so some of the things, there's two aspects of this that I, I always look at when I'm trying to help people deal with this body image thing. One 
it's that we, we it's like logically in our brains we know the comparison aspect is problematic we get that but the other part of it is we we don't know how to emotionally connect to the fact that it shouldn't matter yeah. like we know it shouldn't but we can't emotionally connect to that piece and a lot of it comes down to do i feel almost like do i feel right or do i feel worthy of having the peace of mind do i feel worthy of, of saying you look good in the mirror because at the end of the day, supermodels are supermodels. They're few and far between. There's there's less of a chance for you to be a supermodel than like a rapper. And that's even <laughs> you know, super far. So the reality is, is if you can just anchor down to the aspect of first off, set your own scale. What is good for you to get better and just fall in love with the process. The rest will take care of itself. And after a while, you'll see that when you've lost like 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds, you may not look like, you know, some amazing supermodels as El Bunchen. But you love your body. The women that we have that have lost that weight, they they got yeah. swag. Like they, they know they got swag, right? But what we always do, and this came from a moment when I was, shit, I might have been like 26, 27 in my gym. I just started and I was, you know, same kind of thing, dealing with people and weight loss. And I had this woman come in and it was the first moment that I really realized the separation between what allows you to reach your goal and not reach your goal. Because you may have 800 women stand up, but there's going to be so few of them that actually have enough of a pain to, internally for an extended period of time to fix that yeah, for themselves. And that's the thing the leverage, that hurts yeah. me. Yeah. So I was like, what is the issue? So a woman named uh, Francine came in. Francine comes in and she, you know, I don't know her. She's just a little petite, small woman. Um, she's a little bit heavy set to kind of where she came in, but she's a little shorter. And she comes and says, hey, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I want to get in better shape. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, why do you want to get in better shape? And and so she like kicked a, a little step towards me and says, well, you know, I want to lose 10 to 15 pounds. I'm like, okay, well, well, why do you want to lose 10 to 15 pounds? And again, steps a little bit closer. And like, she's in my personal space now. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, you're a little bit closely. And she says, well, you know, I, I, I want to fit into these jeans I never used to fit. You know, I used to fit into when I was a kid. I haven't fit into for like 10 years. And as a guy, I'm a young guy. I'm like, well, why not just buy new jeans? Like, that's my thought. It's horrible. I know. But that's what I thought. But I was like, let me prod a little bit deeper. I said, well, why do you want to fit into these jeans? She says, well, I just, I want to be more attractive. And I'm like, well, why do you want to be more attractive? She says, well, because I don't believe my husband is attracted to me. And I think it's affecting hmm. my marriage. And I was like, oh, like it hit me. I was like, this, this is the reason why whenever the kids are acting up or her and her husband are fighting or it's a long day at work, this is the reason she'll come to the gym to keep on working out. Hmm. If I only have this reason, when I get started of, you know what, I got I to gotta get to the gym because I want to be healthier, that is not a strong enough reason to overcome your life when life happens every day to people. So when we get started at my gym, the biggest thing we look at is, is an anchor. Like we have these three tiers and the first one is anchor. What's going to keep your boat connected to this dock of trying to get in shape so you don't drift off in the ocean of bad food and bad That's habits? Good. And it's got to be one that I tell people so deep and so dark, it's embarrassing to share in public. Mm. That's why she got so close. She wanted nobody else to hear because it was embarrassing. And if you can, and I mean, it's tough. I don't want to say anchor on that and always feel bad, right? But you have to have a reason that's, that's, that's dark enough in your own mind that's like, I cannot do it, you know, I can't eat this food because I want my daughter to be yeah. healthy. Yeah. And if I have this food in the house, she's not going to be healthy or um, you know, I, I can't have a thing that's like in the back of my mind. I want to, you know, be a person that's away from addiction. There's some people that I have in my gym now who have been fighting addiction for years and they're almost like rewiring the patterns of, of what a pleasure center is by getting that workout high and that, that confidence that comes from meeting little goals of push-ups and sit-ups in a mile run. And so have that dark reason that you pull from and then set positive goals you can push to later on. That's good. Love that. Dang, I'm glad we asked that question. 
Now we can be done. Me too. <laughs> What'd you say? Now we can be done. Now we can, yes, now we can finish. <laughs> hey, Anthony, if people are listening, obviously they are, and loving your advice and the wisdom you have to share, what is the best place for them to hang out with you online? Yeah, I mean, Instagram's a fun, easy way. It's where I, I like to interact myself. It's at Anthony Trucks. Um, and then if you want to get more information on the other stuff I do, which is around like health and identity, it's ownyourshift.net. Own your shift. Dot net. Own, Own your, your shift. shift.net. I love yeah. that. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Um, seriously, so we, we genuinely appreciate it. And um, just love seeing what you're doing. Keep on, I was going to say keep on trucking. And that's the oh, dumbest. <laughs> it comes full I circle. Mean, come on. It feels hey, y'all, we should hang out on more than just this podcast which means that the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure and type Rachel Hollis into the search bar and check out all the fun things we have going on on your favorite platform.